Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Today we are joined by our guest host, filmmaker Heather Lenz. She's a filmmaker best known for Kusama Infinity, a feature-length documentary about artist Yayoi Kusama that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and received international distribution. Our guest is Allison Newman. She earned her master's degree in composition from the Sydney Conservatorium of Music. Afterward, she moved to Los Angeles to study film scoring at USC. She scored films that have aired on PBS and played at Sundance, SXSW, and the Cannes Film Festival. Currently, Allison is working on the L Word Generation Q on Showtime. And welcome both to both of you. Very glad you could join us on the show. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Claire, for the lovely introduction. I see that I, I failed in my uh, typing the notes. Uh, that was South by Southwest. <laughs> uh, but um, And also, Allison scored uh, the Kusama film that I directed as well. So, um, Allison, could you please tell us a little bit about how you decided to pursue a career in film composition? Sure. Um, It's a funny story, but um, it's a true one. Um, It basically started because I was really obsessed with Madonna when I was a child. Like, she was my childhood hero um, as a little girl and a teenager. And um, when uh, a league of their own sort of, came out into the cinemas, I went racing out to see it. Um, but interestingly, what struck me about that film was the the, the, the film score, um, which is a score by Hans Zimmer. And um, it was just like such a wonderful combination of orchestral music and jazz, which I was two things that I was very interested in when I was in high school. And um, it suddenly occurred to me that, oh, if someone does, that job like someone's actually just writing music for film and so it just it just like took over my brain basically and I was just like I became sort of obsessed with doing that and um I you know was told many times like there's no women writing film scores and I was just like oh man but cut to about two years later after that Rachel Portman actually won an Oscar for the film Emma and so I was filled with the fact that I thought, well, someone's doing it, so maybe I can too. So that's kind of how it all started. That's a great story, and I'm glad you brought up this issue of diversity. That's something I think that's a hot topic right now when we think about people like mm. directors and cinematographers, but it's also yeah. obviously an issue for composers. Oh, huge, um, yeah. I mean, in fact, you know, another woman hasn't won an Oscar um, in – since that time, is 23 years um, later that cut to the Joker, which is when um, you know another woman won an Oscar. In fact, I mean they're hardly ever nominated because women really just don't, you know, um, make up those numbers. Um, 
the most recent sort of you know studies um, that have that sort of happened around that 2018 showed um, that only about six percent of the 250 highest grossing films were scored by women. Um, so, you know, basically the numbers are you know the numbers tell us everything <laughs> about that situation. You know. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um, but mm. I'm glad that you are, um, you know, you're you're doing quite well. And, um, you know, so I congratulate you on all the progress you're making. Uh, Thank you. To say that, yeah. And so um, as a composer, how early do you like to get involved with a film, ideally? I, I like to get involved as early as possible. Um, you know, often a composer comes on to a film pretty late, like, you know, sometimes all the way up still when they've already a locked cut and um, there's usually a race to the end kind of thing, getting the film scored. But, you know, for a composer, it's very similar um, to, you know, working with an editor or a cinematographer or anything like that. And it's just like the longer you can sit with material, whether it's scripts or having discussions with a director, and to understand, you know, the characters and the story and the tone of the film, you know, the more opportunities you have to explore ideas and, you know, really create something unique for that project. So I like to come on as early as possible to have those conversations, and, you know, already be thinking about the same things that the director's thinking about because, you know, the quicker I can get inside their, you know, brain, the sooner I can sort of, you know, start sort of formulating some kind of plan, I guess. That's helpful information. And do you find it um, useful when the director comes to you with a cut that already has temp music, or do you find that's a disadvantage? No, I think I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with temp music. I, I think, um, you know, there's obviously the, there's always a fear that, you know, the notion of temp love, that directors fall in love with, you know, a, a temp cue kind of thing. Um, but I think um, having what temp music tells me is actually information usually about whether it's a lot of it's to do with pacing and, um, you know, tempo of like what's happening in a scene. Sometimes it's to do with like the tone of a scene, you know, and I think that it's actually a really good jumping off point to have for a director because it means it tells me that they're thinking about it already, which is, I think is actually a good thing because then there's a conversation starter so we can, we can say, so do you like, you know, the, the speed at which this, you know, piece of music is affecting the cut or do you like certain instruments that you're hearing in this, like what is it about this piece of music that is helping you tell your story and that's like it basically opens up a conversation but I think you have to kind of basically just use it for that, you know, purpose to start that conversation and then, you know, obviously start trying to, you know, create your own um, soundtrack. And hopefully most directors, um, most directors, like, understand that and they will want to move away from the temp and they will want their own, you know, original score, which is why they hire a composer, obviously. So, um, but I don't mind temp music. I think it could be, I think it could be a very useful tool. So. Well, that's good to hear. And what advice would you give to a director who's not well-versed in music when it comes to how to talk to you about the score? 
Mm. You've touched on this, so, I guess, a little already, but yeah, a little bit. So, but it's um, it really is like you don't need to talk about music um, with a composer. I mean, not in the sense that you need to talk about feel like musical terminology and things like that. What you really want to talk about is the same things that you would talk about with your editor or that you talk about with actors or with a cinematographer or any of your other creatives that you're working with. Because what you're really after is like, what is the drama? That's what you, as a composer, that's what you want to understand. You want to understand the characters. You want to understand the plot line. You want to understand um, character you know, developments and arcs and things like this. You want to understand the tone. And so when you're talking with a director, those are the kind of things that I'm interested in and need to hear from from the director. The music kind of will come afterwards. But you, as a director, you really shouldn't feel like you have to talk in musical terminology. It really should just come down to story. That's really the essence of it. And could you talk a little bit about how you might approach a scene that's happy versus sad or, um, I don't know, maybe when there's something mysterious happening or adventurous? What kind of things do you start to think about? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's, you know, I mean, that's a very interesting, um, you know, part of film scoring is like how music influences a scene, um, what it does to whatever's going on in that scene, the characters or the story and whatnot. So, I mean, that's definitely a conversation that, you know, when you're scoring a film that I'd be having with the director. And if there's a scene which is, um, you know, happy, then I guess you know, that's the conversation is just like with the director is just like, well, you know, how, how much, what do we see on, what are we seeing on camera and what kind of support does that need? Um, you know, if something's very obvious and on camera and we're seeing it from actors um, and we're seeing it like, you know, visually, the music... Um, you know, has to be careful not to, I guess, overemphasize as well, you know. So it's, it needs to play a supportive role always. Um, and so I guess it's just a matter of, like, how much, how happy does this need to be? Like, how over the top is this kind of thing, you know? So that, and that's, you know, you start tip, looking into, like, comedy and as a, you know, how you'd score a comedy scene, you know, if you want to make something very exaggerated on purpose kind of thing, as opposed to in a drama where there's a happy scene. Sometimes, you know, sometimes happiness can feel upbeat in turn, or sometimes happiness can also feel very emotional as well. So that's, again, a conversation about, like, what do we want from this scene? Because, and sometimes you can actually score against what's going on, and it also gives a very, like, strong effect. You know, you might, because happiness could be, you know, I don't know, the birth of a child or it could be a kid getting an ice cream. So it just really depends on what that is and, you know, how 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 you want to support it kind of thing. And that's, that's a conversation between a composer and a director to decide, like, the intent, I guess, of that scene. You know, for a scary 
film or something like that, that tends to be a little bit more obvious, obviously because then a composer can very much create an environment of suspense with whether it's instruments or with, um, you know, musical tones, things that are dark, things that might like suddenly jump out and things like that. So you can obviously like anticipate and create um, tension with music. Um, but that's a kind of a more, I guess, obvious way of using it. It's just, um, it really depends on what what it is that you're scoring and how you'd approach that sort of thing. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, and um, do you think about score differently when you're working on a fiction film versus nonfiction content? No, I I don't personally. Um, I I very much think that it's you're still following. For me, at least, I'm still following similar kind of principles of um, <coughs> excuse me, drama, story point, character development. So when I'm scoring a documentary, I'm still thinking about uh, a subject matter and what their thematic material might be. Uh, what is the essence of this character? What are we trying to say about this? Um, person or whatever the subject is um, and I I very much approach them the same way um, sometimes in documentary you need music to do some additional things in terms of I would say like creating pacing like tempo and pacing that's just one thing that might be slightly different I think in a documentary that you need um, music sometimes like tonally to create a, a, a you know a, some movement in that regard but even still I'm still like joining those dots and thinking about okay I need this section of a film to move at this pace because of what we're seeing whether it's news articles or um, an interview or whatever but I'm still relating that to like thematic content um, related to the characters or whatever the subject is for the thing. It's it's always I think really important to keep those keep those links and those um, musical ideas connected in order for a, the score to feel cohesive and um, just solid. I suppose, yeah. One thing I know we discussed when we were working on the Kusama film, which was a mm. um, documentary that covered the passage of many decades, um, mm. uh, was the use of, uh, I know we discussed uh, period music to sort of mm -hmm. help ground people in an era. Uh, mm -hmm. Not that we always uh, had the money for what we wanted, but mm. I do remember that as part of the conversation in addition to the, you know, the score that you did. Yeah, um, right. And um, have you noticed any trends in score? Personally, with regard to documentaries, I've noticed um, when I watch films made over the span of many years, um, some are very heavy-handed with a lot of score, and then some, mm -hmm. it's a very light touch. Do you think that's really the filmmaker's or the film team's preference, or do you think there are some trend, larger trends at play there? Um, I think I, I I think documentaries have should really always been fairly heavily scored. 
Um, it's just a matter of how they're scored. I mean, I do think probably there are some trends, but I, I'm not. I don't. I would be hesitant to say they're trends. I think they're more to do with directors um, or production teams' personal um, and how they their approach to filmmaking. Um, I think, but I what one thing that I have uh, noticed and that one thing that has changed, um, I think, in recent years is that documentary film has really kind of come into this real golden age and there's like a, there's so much more documentary um content being made and it's so good like it's so good it's so well produced and there's it's kind of almost like i feel like documentary has kind of replaced our almost like long format news um and so people i think at this point go to documentary to find like to documentary films and series, you know, to find like a lot of, you know, deep, you know, diving into subjects. And um, I think what that means is that there's been, there's more money poured into documentaries, which means that, you know, there's more, I think more, more focus on the production, which also includes, you know, music and live music and like, um, you know, well, you know, produced and thought out scores. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of big sort of A-list composers now who, in the past, wouldn't have been scoring documentaries that that now are doing that. You know, because of the way in which documentaries are now produced, and um, there's so much for a composer. It's like, you know, it, it, it's so it's such a fun job now to score a documentary because it's it's juicy and it's interesting and I love scoring documentaries. It's probably my favorite um, medium to work in um, just because it's, I don't know, I get so involved in the, when I take a documentary project and I get so involved in the subject matter and the the uh, story and the characters and stuff like that. It's just, I find, I usually taps into something very personal for me. Um, so that's very rewarding. I think, as a composer. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great to hear. Um, and mm-hmm. when you write for a series, how does that mm-hmm. impact the way you think about the score? Um, it is, I mean, it's it's all, again, it's about drawing, you know, creating cohesion, creating storylines and arcs. It's very much setting up uh, a tonal palette for a series what is this series going to sound like? What is the, what is the heart of the show? Um, and then looking at like, you know, uh, themes, setting up themes that can carry through an entire series and how can you reuse themes, whether it's in, with different instrumentation, at different pacings, all these kind of things. But you're really looking at having a, like from the start you need to create those themes and that palette of instruments that is going to carry you, you know, through eight, ten episodes or whatever of a, of a show, you know, and it's the reuse, how you, how you, how do you reuse these themes? How do you, you know, apply them to different characters and things like that? It's, uh, it's, it's just a long, I guess it's like a longer format, you know, than a film, but you still have to follow 
I mean, I personally still like to follow the same principles because if I've lost my themes and I've lost my, um, I guess, yeah, I mean, if I've lost my themes and I've lost my tonal palette of where I am, then I then I'll get lost as well. They're the things that really ground you. Um, I think when writing and thinking in like a long way, you know, in a long format like that, you know, you always have to come back to those things um, to keep, you know, to keep everything basically cohesive and to help tell the story. Yeah. Yeah, I guess also um, in addition to TV series, there are certain movies like Star Wars where there ended up being, you know, prequels and Mm -hmm. sequels and all of these things. And um, there are certain characters like Darth Vader that have this very iconic music that we Mm -hmm. associate with them that comes back. And um, or um, yeah, and I wonder, are there any movies that stand out to you for their scores that you find really intriguing or inspiring or that have this sort of like kind of iconic music. I guess another one that comes to mind is Jaws has just very yep. recognizable music. Yep, yep, yep. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, there's definitely, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of scores like that that have certainly, you know, um, influenced me and that stick with me. And I guess, you know, as a child, like a lot of those, yes, Star Wars, um, obviously, uh, Out of Africa is another um, film that has always stuck with me for the just because the the, the melodies that were used in that are just like so beautiful. Um, and your Marconi's score for the mission is another one which um, I think has an extremely haunting and well-known soundtrack. Um, one, I mean, obviously, all of these soundtracks and scores like this you know again it comes back to these were men scoring them there were no women scoring these things when I was growing up but um, you know in more recent times I think one really fantastic score um, is a score by Anne Meredith eighth grade um, which has got a, a fantastic theme that really you know captures the essence of this uh, you know, high school, this girl in high school thing, and I think that that's fantastic. So, hopefully, we're going to see and hear from a lot more women composers in the in the years to come that will be all be able to recognise, you know, character themes and things like that um, in the future. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Um, Definitely, and. I know, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about documentaries already and um, Mm -hmm. how, at least in some cases, the budgets are going up. But in other cases, there's still people who are trying to do Mm -hmm. these things on a, you know, shoestring budget. And so not only for documentary filmmakers, but for any independent, uh, low Mm -hmm. budget filmmaker, do you have any tips um, that can help that they can they can uh, use to help you do your mm-hmm. job more efficiently to save time or or are there like yep. instruments that are less expensive than other instruments to use things mm. like that? Well, I think that um, you know for any independent filmmaker, if you are using you know temp music and things, for instance, like temping. If you've got a if you know that you don't have like a massive budget, temping your film with big orchestral scores um by you know that have come from other you know like films and things like that is 
um, probably not the greatest idea because then you're like basically setting up a tone that you're also like, well, we can't really afford an orchestra. So it's kind of like you probably should like look and think outside the box and think about like what are some scores that I can listen to and temp with that, you know, are a lot more feasible. So I do think that it's really important to um, to feature at least one live instrument. Honestly, like if you just have one instrument that is like a live recorded instrument, it changes the essence of the score like like tremendously. It really does. And it doesn't have to, it could be a guitar, it could be a piano, it could be a violin or a cello, whatever, it doesn't matter. But having that one live player, I think like really makes a big difference. It really gives, you know, the heart and soul um, because that still, I think, has to come from a human um, touch, you know. I mean, that and that can be certainly blended um, with, you know, any sort of synths and electronics. I mean, that's what we did for Kusama. Kusama was, you know, basically uh, violin, cello, and piano, then mixed with synths. And just having those three live instruments, like, completely changed the way that that score could have, you know, could have been because it just gave it, it just breathed life into it, you know, having people, like, play. Um, so I think like when you're working with a composer, you need to think, this is my budget. Um, this is how we need to approach this. Um, if you have lots of money, then you can have lots of players, but if you don't, then you need to be thinking, okay, let's think about how we can use an instrument or a couple of instruments to develop, um, a score in an interesting way. Um, another thing, um, you know, that helps in terms of paying composers. Um, you know, if you don't have a lot of money up front, what you can do is, um, you know, create a licensing deal as well. So that basically allows the composer to own, to retain ownership of their music. Um, and so basically what you're doing is you're, paying for a license, you're paying to license the music, and so that allows the composer to either, um, you know, to they can take that score at a later stage and, like, re-license it for other things, and so they might get money in different ways. Um, and also, if that, you know, a lot of these independent projects, even though they don't have budgets and stuff, they they do get, you know, picked up, and they do get distributed and things like that, and so then you know, a composer can also pick up royalties on the back end if they own own the score. Um, and so that's another way, you know, that's that's another sort of negotiating tool um, that you can that you can have and that is uh, you know that is useful um, on on low budget projects. So there's always a way, but just um, yeah, just uh, find someone who just can think, you know, creatively and just. Always just try and I think just focus on just having that one one live player that'll like really change change the score dramatically I think yeah that's like super helpful advice and um, mm-hmm. I should have said this earlier but Claire did you do you have any questions you'd like to ask Allison about music no just uh, there is just one thing that uh, 
that I've thought about a lot. Whenever I hear uh, theme music or you know music of of any kind, there's always an emotion involved. Mm-hmm. You know, you always mm-hmm. feel it as an undertone in the music. How do you connect mm-hmm. with what's going on in the scene to convey that emotion in the music? Mm. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely that's the real trick with film scoring and being a film composer. It's the you know difference between um, you know a concert composer who's just writing away from picture or someone who's writing to picture and trying to convey someone else's emotion or some other character or whatever. But um, again, it's it's understanding drama. Um, I think I at some point really sort of figured out that it's the more sort of film you watch, the more like you understand story, um, the more you think about characters and that really helps you. But with I personally, um, when I come to a project, I always try and find something in that, in the project, in the story, in the character, something that I can relate to on a personal level um and it could be it could be anything it just has to be one small thing that I could be like oh I understand that I felt that personally and that's kind of like your in point well for me that's my in point it's how I can get into something and kind of it, it opens basically opens up the the character opens up I guess the emotion um of what is maybe happening in a scene or what is happening in the film. So it's just like finding a connective tissue that I can relate to on a personal level. Yeah. And um, now I know you told us, I know you told us, Allison, that um, filmmakers, especially those who aren't super well-versed in music, they don't need to be able to talk in any sort of lingo that you'll, you know, mm-hmm. they can just talk about what's going on in the scene. But I did want to add, for anyone interested, I did find a good website that mm-hmm. lists some basic um, music and film terminology. And so I'm just going to share that for anyone interested. It's shinerightstudio.com backslash post backslash music dash in dash film dash terminology backslash and it lists um it goes over things like tonal versus atonal music major versus Mm -hmm. minor consonants Mm -hmm. versus consonants and it gives um there's little film clips that you can play and Mm. um yeah so it's interesting and it talks about really great yeah, and it talks about um, light motif, which we talked about earlier but didn't name, but is a motto for a certain character or element in a movie. Usually has short um, or highly recognizable notes. So that would be, mm-hmm. for example, like Jaws. So just yep. I'm sharing that as a as a tip for anyone interested. And then I'd just like to ask you, Allison, is there anything else I didn't ask you that you would like to share with our guests? No, I mean, just to follow on from what you are saying about this website, which sounds really helpful, um, I, I do think um, as a, for directors, I mean, I, as, obviously as a composer, if directors have this, you know, basic knowledge and understanding, like that is obviously a very helpful thing. I think the most um, 
you know, the most useful thing that a director can do in terms of preparing for their film and how, how they want to approach music is actually just to pay attention to film scores, listen to film scores, like be familiar with all the different scores that have, you know, supported the films that you have watched over the years and that you love and think about like what that music is doing for that picture and why it's affecting uh, you and why it is effective as well. And so the more, you know, film score you listen to and think about, then that, uh, that allows a director to have like, I think a lot more, you know, meaningful and deeper conversations about music. Um, and you're just, you know, these are kind of some basic things that really help you and, like, help a director also make decisions, you know. And <laughs> you can reference things. References are great. Like, you use them when you're making a film, like different film references in terms of tone and style and stuff like that. The same applies to film scoring, you know. It's the same same sort of principle. So having that understanding and foundation, I think, is really is really a useful uh, tool to come in to working with a composer. Yeah, that would be, that's pretty much it, I think. <laughs> okay, and then if people would like to follow you on social media, could you tell us your handles? Oh, yeah. Um, let me see. What are my handles? I'm so bad with these kind of things. You can follow me um, on Instagram. Um, it's uh, Ally Newman, A-L-L-Y-N-E-W-M-A-N 15. Ally Newman 15 is my Instagram handle. Um, and you can you can visit, I have a website, alisonnewmancomposer.com. You can check out some stuff that I've been up to, listen to some music and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, feel free to reach out anytime if you have questions. Well, great. Thank you so much, and thanks for sharing your time with us and all of your knowledge. Thank I you. really appreciate it. And um, thank oh, you again, thank you Claire, for having for, me, Heather. Um, yeah. Thanks, yeah. Big thanks just, to Claire for handling all the technical side. Yes, Alex. Yes, Alex. Right. No, sure. I was just going to say one final thing I wanted to add was actually just um, on a – I guess on a personal note, like honestly, like working on Kusama was probably one of the highlights of my career. I loved working on that film. It really like struck a very deep chord for me. So I really appreciate that opportunity, Heather. Well, thank you. That's very sweet of you. I guess if anyone's interested in um, checking out that movie here in America, the website um, KusamaMovie.com. Um, so thank you. Thanks for your kind yeah. words about that. Yeah. Good. Thank All you right. so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, yes, thanks. it was good thanks to have you, Allison. Thanks a lot, Claire. Okay. Right. Bye. All right. Be Bye. well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. 
I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N.com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.